0: The following program was presented on May 27th, 2009.
1: ReachMD XM160 now presents Second Opinion Live with hosts, Drs. Larry Kaskell and Michael Greenberg.
2: Hi, welcome to Second Opinion Live on ReachMD Radio XM160, the
1: channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. And I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. And this program's a little different from others on ReachMD and their two hosts. And we're coming to you live. So besides there being two of us, it's a little different in that uh, we want we want to hear from you.
2: We want the doctors, the medical professionals out there to uh, call us, let us know what's going on in your world. Uh, today on the show, we're going to be talking with Dr. Ted Epperly, who's the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians. He's going to share some of his insights on how the economy is actually impacting the Positions out there, and uh, you know how patients are actually approaching their healthcare needs. And uh, if if time allows, we'll take your calls on the subject. The number is triple eight MD one reach and in
1: numer- numerals that's 8886317322 that's not all we have in store how often do you talk with your patients about the cost of medicines you prescribe for them larry and i do we'll talk about that with you it's a subject of this week's reach md poll a new report indicates that less than 5% of us talk with patients about the cost of their prescriptions you
2: know, we're going to talk also about the what you've probably heard a lot about this 13-year-old boy that that has Hodgkin's lymphoma who fled with his mother in a reported attempt to find alternative treatment. Does this case give us new insights into the agonies of cancer therapy, the toll it takes on the human body? We'll we'll uh, we'll stop by the Reach MD forum to reflect on this. Again, the number is
1: triple eight MD one Reach. Okay, we do try to bring a little levity to the show, Larry, so we'll start off on a lighter note with ReachMD's That's News To Me, reviewing curious news headlines from the world of medicine.
2: So, Michael, obviously you and I have both received a gazillion emails for our birthdays. We get them from Plaxo, we get them from Yahoo, we get them all over the place, those e-greetings. I don't get uh, them from you, though. Well... Um, Maybe there's a message there. Um, So it turns out there's a new web service, that, and there's a few of them that have popped up, that allow you that if you have contracted a sexually
1: transmitted disease, you can tell someone by e-card. Isn't that nice? That's nice. Can you also send a singing telegram like, congratulations, you have crabs? Exactly. So what do you think of that? Um, well, first of all, I'd hate to get one um, anonymously. I think it's uh, with all the e-services that we have these days, I, I would certainly expect it. They're kind of funny cards, though, too, right. for a serious subject. Have you looked at any of them?
2: I have not seen any, thank God, and hopefully I won't send any out. But, but you know, you can imagine how
1: much it's abused or the potential for abuse. Right. What if you just send them out for fun or like a prank? Right. I mean, what would that do to somebody? How do they, how do they check on this? It's devastating,
2: especially... Uh, if uh, you've been with that person.
1: Yeah. And this was created by an online partner notification system called InSpot, which is InSpot.org. I uh-huh. suggest. People I mean, it's go a, it's a it.
2: great idea as long as it's used appropriately and uh, properly. But, you know, even those physician sites that you can rank
1: your physician, anyone can post. And, you know,
2: there's no one policing it.
1: Yeah, I think there's also got to be something kind of cold and cruel about sending somebody a humorous e-card. I think if you're going to tell somebody that they've been infected, it's much nicer to do it in person, intimately.
2: But if you haven't talked to that person, it's better than, it's better than not getting anything.
1: Now it's your turn. The ReachMD poll wants you to voice your opinion and vote. ReachMD XM160 now presents the ReachMD
2: poll. Michael, you and I both have choices when we prescribe for our patients. We can give them a generic or we can give them a sophisticated new brand name remedy that's probably not much better but costs a whole lot more. Uh, You know, the only difference is price. So the question is, whose responsibility is it? Uh, It turns out there was a survey conducted by the Consumer Advocacy Group, Consumers Union, that writes the Consumer Reports that we're all familiar with, and it says only 4% of physicians discuss drug prices with their doctors. Do you believe that number? Um, well, I'm I'm one of that 4%. You're probably well, the other. I am too, absolutely. So there's two of us right here that do it. I, I talk about it with my patients. Um, and, you know, a lot of these people show up at the pharmacy, and that's the first time they find out what a drug costs. There's very little transparency in the system. Um, you know, a few a few weeks ago or maybe months ago, I interviewed uh, uh, a woman who came up with something called Leslie's List that lists in the Chicagoland area all the prices of meds at every pharmacy.
1: And I think it's a great thing to use. By the way, we're going to keep talking about this, but we want your reaction while we talk about it. Share your thoughts with us on our website, ReachMD.com, where you can vote on the ReachMD poll. And by the way, Dr. Ted Epperly is coming up in a moment uh, at 888-MD-1-REACH. That's 888-631-7322. That's the number that you can reach us on on ReachMD Radio on XM160. So
2: do you think it's our job to tell patients? I think it's. I think it's part of informed consent. Absolutely.
1: If you don't do it, you get these nasty, angry phone calls back, or you lose patients. Yeah.
2: You know, especially with Lamisil, uh, four bucks at Walmart and Target, hundred bucks elsewhere. I'm not going to name any pharmacies, but it's that's and that's an amazing difference.
1: Right. I try and send patients to the cheapest pharmacy, and I try and give them the least expensive drug that works. And
2: they're greatly appreciative.
1: Absolutely. Okay, on to the ReachMD forum. In the news the past week, the story of a 13-year-old Minnesota boy with Hodgkin's lymphoma who left home with his mother in search of a more holistic, alternative approach to treatment for his disease.
2: All right, so, you know, just I want to throw in a few things. He did have one round of chemo. He did respond to it. But his family, his family, I think that's the key word, they were concerned about the side effects. And so, you know, who, well, you, go ahead.
1: No, that's okay. I think this is an interesting question you brought up. It's his family. He's a young boy. Um, who has the right here to say whether he gets treatment or not? The, and, the courts, I guess. Absolutely, yes. He is. A, the judge ordered chemo, wow. and there was a round scheduled. So he is going to get chemo, but he's also going to get all those alternative therapies with it.
2: And, you know, as you know, Hodgkin's is quite curable. I mean, if you're going to get something, you know, going back to that Seinfeld episode, what's the good, what's the good lymphoma? It's the Hodgkin's one.
1: It's, you know, 95% curable. Right. But how often do we think about what a patient really goes through in chemotherapy? I mean, it's pretty miserable sometimes for some people, and, but I'm not quite so sure that a, ch- you know, a 13-year-old boy, if he was mine, that I would want to take him out of the state and away from the therapy. I'd want to give him every possible chance to live.
2: So, you know, I, I'm not familiar with what other treatments even exist for Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, I would assume they came from some sort of religious sect or something that I'm not familiar with. I haven't followed the story that closely. The the
1: alternative therapy they were seeking allegedly comes from a Native American organization, which I can't pronounce, a Nimenha band, who, according to their website, advocates natural medical modalities. But we don't know what these are.
2: Well, you know, a lot of chemo comes from natural uh, modalities. I think it comes from tree bark or something.
1: Right, but there's a lot of clinics in Mexico where a lot mm-hmm. of patients are going. And remember
2: they used to go down for Laetrile? Right. what Would that come from avocado seeds or something? Um,
1: no, it was um, apricot pits. Apricot pits, right. It, right. It, I, it, did, I remember that. It didn't work, but a lot of people paid a lot of money for it. Interesting. You know, well, it, it'll be a story that develops. We'll see what happens with this young man. Well, I, wish, I wish him well, and I hope he has a full
2: recovery and uh, that this story kind of fades away. Absolutely. Michael, last week, the American Academy of Family Physicians, AAFP, released some results of a survey of family physicians trying to quantify the impact that the recession had on doctors and patients.
1: And uh, a couple of quick highlights from the survey, 73% of physicians surveyed said they had seen an increase in uninsured patients visiting their offices. 66%, or roughly two-thirds of physicians, said they were taking action in the form of discounted services, free screenings, and more to help patients manage their health care needs during this downturn.
2: Well, I don't think anyone's shocked to hear any of these numbers. But uh, let's let's bring in Dr. Ted Epperly, president of the AAFP, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it. Dr. Epperly, are you there?
0: I'm here. Good Hi, with
1: you. Welcome to Second Opinion. So, so talk to us about this downturn with family physicians. This is a, a high number of doctors that have had to make some changes here.
0: Yes, as you said, you know it struck uh, patients across this nation. We did a survey of. Uh, many of our members across the United States we found that uh, some additional statistics were that 54 percent were seeing fewer patients, 58 percent had more cancellations, 90 percent had patients express concerns to them over their ability to pay, 87 percent saw more stress in their patients, and 60 percent were seeing uh, uh, health problems that had already increased in their patients primarily in two areas, foregoing preventive care And then, as you gentlemen were talking about, with medications, patients were not filling prescriptions, they were cutting pills in half, they were taking uh, their medication every other day versus daily, uh, and that's how it was all playing out.
1: By the way, this wasn't just family practitioners. As a dermatologist, I noticed the same numbers and patients doing the same things. Um, But I'm finding just this past month that it's starting to come back a little. What do your members say about that? Do they feel any uh, recoil?
0: Uh, I think there's a little green shoot starting to sprout in America's economy, but uh, some of these things have taken uh, a hold of behaviors. Uh, and I would say that, and uh, just talking about my own practice, which is located in Boise, Idaho, uh, we've uh, seen a little bit of an upturn. So, yeah, hopefully, uh, but I think it will take a bit longer.
1: Okay, so what do you what do you do in your practice when somebody comes in and complains you that they just don't have the money? Do you just have to cut their fee?
0: Yeah, uh, and typically, uh, as you noted, uh, two out of every three family physicians uh, in our survey had taken specific actions, uh, such things as discounting fees, just as you'd mentioned, increasing charity care, just totally writing it off at the very front uh, of the visit, uh, providing free screenings, uh, trans, uh, uh, forming patients to generic meds. You guys just mentioned that. Uh, the $4 Walmart drugs uh, and other generics uh, at lower cost are certainly uh, cost-saving to people. Uh, working with patients in terms of on the back end of things on uh, spreading out their payments with no finance charges over a longer period of time is also something that many of our physicians have done and are doing.
1: I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Isn't this something that we should be doing as physicians anyway, whether it's a recession or not, helping out patients who really can't afford our care?
0: Yes, I think that, uh, that that relationship you have with your patient is really critical and important. And If patients will bring that up as an issue, I think most physicians uh, will work with their patients. I think the recession has just heightened the amount and uh, the numbers of people with that. We're also finding that a lot of people are very proud about this and very private about it. Uh, and so we do encourage people uh, to be open and honest, have a very frank, candid discussion with their physicians so that uh, they're aware of it. Because once they're aware of it, there's things that can be done for it, as i mentioned.
2: So perhaps we should make uh, finances the fourth vital sign and actually ask.
0: Well, I think that's not a bad idea. Uh, you guys were talking about transparency earlier, and I totally agree with you in the sense that uh, all physicians should be right up front with people in terms of what the costs of their alternatives and choices are so that they can be part of that shared decision-making.
1: Well, you can also say to your patients, say, how are you doing with the economy these days? And that opens up the discussion to like, hey, I'm out of work or I'm doing fine or my company's doing great. And When someone's out of work, that may open up the door to have them start the discussion about, and, and, Doc, I need a little help right here.
0: It would be a perfect, nice way to start that dialogue.
1: Yeah, Okay. So I'm curious Dr. Epperle, do
2: you do you think that the physician is responsible to we were talking earlier about uh informed consent and talking about drug prices do you does the AAFP have any sort of position on that in terms of bringing it up and talking about it
0: Well no official policy in terms of every member is mandated or should do that I think that uh it's uh good practice however uh knowing your patient means knowing uh you know their finances in regards to are they are uh, having more trouble than usual are they out of a job just as you were referring to so i do believe that uh it should be the responsibility of 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 the, of the physician especially at tough times to inquire about that oftentimes you know the finances can play out in ways such as increased stress for the patient Uh, and that can aggravate other underlying problems from diabetes to asthma to hypertension etc so understanding the points of stress in one's life and much of that is around finances or one's job I think is an important question to ask
2: and uh, one of the last questions have you seen anything drastic occurring with some of your physicians where they've just closed up shop
0: no nobody that we surveyed have, have closed shop however They've cut services, they've cut staff, they've cut personnel, they've even cut hours uh, just to try to make the overhead work. So we, we have seen it impact them financially, but uh, to my knowledge, and, and certainly none in the survey, had actually you know, gone out of business because of that.
2: You know, it makes me think that you know, we could use this time with patients. There's fewer patients. What about spending more time with them and actually taking care of them for a change instead of rushing them through?
0: Yeah, you know. Uh, point well. Although, said, we, don't, although know, we
2: don't get paid for that.
0: Yeah, that, that, and that's typically the problem. You know, it really underscores the fact that we just need a, a, a health system reform uh, that is ongoing, and that we need to get people, all people, accessible and affordable care, and one that's primarily based uh, with primary care physicians, so at least they have access, and then uh, they can be cared right. for in many ways. Or,
1: or we need to get back to the reason why we became doctors in the first place, and maybe this is teaching us that.
0: Yeah, it certainly
2: underscores that.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for, call- for, thank you for
2: calling in, Dr. Epperly.
0: Oh, you're more than welcome, gentlemen.
2: So, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to get to any other callers today. Uh, we're out of time. That's really all she wrote today for Second
1: Opinion Live. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell. And I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. For more about ReachMD Radio and XM160, visit our website at reachmd.com. And thank you for joining us on ReachMD.